the time. Bless us uh, to be able to learn from your word, Lord, that we might uh, be encouraged from it. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Joshua chapter number 10. In Joshua chapter number 10, it's a, it's an interesting chapter, and uh, I just want to show you a few things out of this passage tonight, and of course, we're preaching through the book of Joshua, and we don't want to uh, skip anything, especially if we can learn from it, and I want to just give you a few things to think about in regards to chapter number 10. Now, what you got to understand is as we've been traveling through Joshua, uh, uh, Joshua has led the people into the promised land. We've talked about it before, as they go through and conquer the land, as they take the land, this is a picture, is a representation of the Christian life. Your life and my life, and it is our job after we got saved, which was a picture of them coming out of Egypt. After we get baptized, which was a picture, according to First Peter, of them crossing the Red Sea. And then it is our job to go into the land and go into Canaan land. And God expects us to fight certain battles and to win certain battles in our Christian life. And this is what the book of Joshua represents. And as we get to Joshua chapter 10, they've been fighting and they've had victories and they've had defeats. They've had high, uh, you know, mountain-type type peaks, and they've been down in the valley, and they've been sad and discouraged. And when you get to verse number 1, I want you to just notice very quickly, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard. Do you see that? The Bible says he had heard, what did he hear? How Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, and he had done to Jericho and her kings, so he had done it to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. First thing I want you to notice is this. When you decide to start taking uh, the, the journey, which is the Christian life, and you got to understand that I'm not necessarily just talking about salvation. Now, I hope you've decided to be saved, and I hope you've decided to ask Jesus Christ to save you, and He's forgiven you of your sin, and you know that you know that you're saved. I hope you've made that decision, but you've got to understand that deciding to be saved and deciding to walk with God are two different things. Deciding to take the journey that God has brought us in, and to walk with God, and to uh, live with God, and to get to know God, and to have His knowledge, and the relationship that we establish with Christ, and, and, and simply being saved, or Believe it or not, they're two different things. And as you decide to take that uh, walk and that uh, uh, journey with God, you've got to understand that as you begin to serve God, there are going to be certain things that begin to happen. And in Joshua chapter 10, we can see some of those uh, uh, lessons that we can learn. And number one, I want you to see, when you begin to serve God, the world is no longer going to like you. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean that you're not going to fit in anymore. When you actually begin, are you say, Pastor, you're talking about when I get saved? Yes, but when you actually begin to read the Bible, when you actually begin to go to a church that preaches the Bible, and when you begin to learn what the Bible says, and not only learn what the Bible says, but begin to apply it to your life, you start making changes, and you start fighting battles, and you start conquering things. I'm here to tell you that there are going to be people around you that for years had no issues with you, had no problem with you, they thought you were good, they thought you were cool, that you were part of the group, you were part of the, 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 the buddy system there. But when you begin to serve God, all of a sudden, and you actually begin to do the things the Bible says, you start being like Christ, all of a sudden, you start being not that popular. Notice what the Bible says. 
Now it came to pass when Adonai did that, king of Jerusalem had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and her king. So he had done uh, to Ai and her king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were gone among them. Number one, the world does not like to see you have success. The world does not like to see you win battles. You know that if you uh, have a problem with smoking and you've got friends who smoke, and, you, and I, if you smoke, I don't know. I'm just using that as an example. You've got friends who smoke. You've got family members who smoke. No one's ever had issues with and then And then you all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit this. And maybe you've tried it before in your flesh, but you say, you know what, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to, I'm going to deny my flesh, and I'm going to get over this, uh, the, the, this habit, I'm going to kick the habit, and I'm going to quit smoking. You know that, most of the time, when you accomplish that, people aren't going to, for the most part, people are not going to just say, man, praise the Lord, I'm glad you did that. You know that a lot of times people just discourage you? Say, why is that? Because misery, miser, what is that uh, quote? Misery loves uh, companionship. Is that the quote? Is that what it is? Company. There you go. I should write down quotes before I say them. <laughs> and sometimes you begin to be successful, and sometimes you begin to fight battles, and sometimes you take AI and you take Jericho and you and you and you start uh, gathering land and you start growing, and people hear about it, but they're not happy for you or they're not excited for you. In fact, they're pretty upset about it. Look at verse two. And they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city. That's one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Look at verse 3. Wherefore Adonai did that king of Jerusalem sent unto Horam, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of uh, Jarmuth, and unto uh, Japhiah, king of Lachish, and unto Jeber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me that we might smite Gibeon. I want you to see this. He says, Come and help me that we might smite Gibeon. Let's go beat up Gibeon, is what he's saying. Let's go fight Gibeon. Why? Why do they want to do it? Notice, you see the colon there? It says, here's the reason they want to smite Gibeon. For it hath made peace with Joshua. Do you see that? And with the children of Israel. Now Joshua is a man of God. And actually it may be of interest to you to know that you know that the, the name of Jesus in the, in the uh, Old Testament would be Joshua? Or Joshua in the New Testament would be considered Jesus. There's a, there's a passage in the book of Acts that is referring to Joshua, the Joshua of the book of Joshua, but it calls him Jesus. You know, because like we talked about this morning a little bit, names change. And the name Jesus actually begins means Joshua. In a lot of ways, Joshua represents the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say he is the Lord Jesus Christ, but he represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And these people got upset. Why? Notice. Because Gibeon had made peace with Joshua. Now you were thinking, why would you be mad at someone for having peace? But yet you and I as Christians, we start walking with God and we start getting that peace. You know the Bible talks about that peace that uh, passes all understanding. And you start realizing, you know, you, you, you're not as stressed out as you used to be, and you're not as uptight as you used to be, and you're not as worried as you used to be, because you say, well, you know, God is in control, and God is sovereign, and people start seeing that, and, and instead of being excited for you and saying, man, I'm glad you've got peace in your heart and in your life, I'd like to learn where to get that peace, instead they'll get mad and angry and upset, and they'll say, you don't fit in around here anymore. I'm just telling you, when you begin to serve God, you're not going to fit in in the world. Give the nations of Canaan had no problem with Gibeon. Till Gibeon started hanging around Joshua. Till Gibeon started having peace with Joshua. 
So giving, see, you got to understand that when you begin to serve God, the world's not going to like you. Keep your finger there in John chapter 10, but go with me real quickly to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Now, now look, I know I say this a lot and you guys don't even take me seriously anymore, but I plan on preaching short tonight. Okay? Uh, John, John chapter number 15. Okay? So we're not, I don't want to be very long tonight, but I want you to see these verses. John chapter number 15. Look at verse number 18. It's good to be reminded of these things every once in a while. John chapter number 15, verse number 18. John chapter 15, verse 18. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the four, fourth book in the New Testament. John chapter 15, verse 18. The Bible says, actually, look at verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. Now notice, verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know... By the way, this is Jesus Christ speaking. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Look at verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me... Would you say that they persecuted Jesus Christ? I mean, they hung him on a cross. You know what I mean? And he says, The servant is is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Ever since I started living the Christian life, ever since I started walking with God, people don't seem to want to be around me anymore. It's normal. They didn't like Jesus either. And if they hated Him, they're going to hate you. And by the way, let me just say, and and I think we ought to be friendly and nice to, uh, obviously we ought to be friendly and nice to everybody, and we ought to have a good attitude towards people. But you know, let me tell you something. If you can just pal around with worldly people all the time, and just fit in and never have an issue, if you, just, you know, just as people are cursing the name of Christ, taking the name of the Lord in vain, just mocking your face, you know, and you're just totally okay with that, there may be something wrong with you. Maybe you should check your salvation, or maybe you should just get right with God. Because when we're popular with the world, there's something wrong with us, because Jesus Christ was not popular with the world. The world hated Him. The world did not like him. It says that if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And, and by the way, that's why, you know, uh, Verity Baptist Church, I mean, Lord willing, this church grows, and I think it will, and all that. But let me tell you something. This type of church, we're, we're never going to be, you know, Pastor Jimenez is never going to be a famous televangelist. <laughs> My preaching is not going to be featured on the television. You know what I mean? Why? Because the world doesn't like this type of preaching. The world, you say, well, what kind of preaching is the world? The world likes the, the, the church that you go to that's a rock concert, and the pastor preaches for 15 minutes, and it's just a, a pep talk, and it's just a, uh, an encouragement, and just saying, to, and I believe that I'm encouraging, but, you know, they, they like to preach you and say, man, you know, God loves you, and He loves you the way you are, and you just keep on doing your sins, and you keep on living the way God, don't you worry about it, you're under grace. Hey, that's not what the Bible says. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ came and he preached against sin and he preached uh, towards righteousness and because of that, they hated him. Now salvation is by grace and it's not by works and we understand that. But God expects you to live godly and when you start living like that, just expect and just realize that you're no longer going to fit in in the world. Go back to Joshua real quickly. I said number one, I've got to hurry up because I said I want to preach short. Joshua chapter 10. I said, number one, when you serve God, the world will no longer like you. 
They'll no longer fit in. But number two, I want you to know this. When you say, you say, well, what won't they like about you? They won't like your success. They don't want to see you grow in Christ. They don't want to see you get rid of sin and get rid of habits and, and begin to conquer the land. They don't want to see that. They don't want to see peace in your life. They don't want to see joy in your life. They want you to be miserable and sin sick just like they are. Number two, when you begin to serve God, you must be very deliberate about the relationships you establish. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem and the kings of Hebron, the kings of Jarmuth, the kings of Lachish, the kings of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. Look at verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, notice what they said, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites dwell in the mountains uh, uh, are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. You say, well, what is, what's going on? You've got to remember, if you remember from uh, uh, the previous chapter, God had told the children of Israel not to make a league, not to, to uh, go into any uh, partnerships with anybody. They were supposed to go into the land, conquer the land, kick everyone out, and take over. But if you remember from last week, the Gibeonites came to Joshua. Remember, they, uh, they, they were wily, they were deceitful, they lied, and they made it seem as if they were from faraway country when they were neighbors. And Joshua and the elders in Israel failed to take counsel at the mouth of God. They did not pray. They did not seek God's will. And because of it, they entered into a relationship with the Gibeonites. Remember that. And when they did that, and then they found out that the Gibeonites were neighbors, they were mad and they went over there. But guess what they could not do? They could not kill them. They could not conquer them. Because they made a leak. They made a vow. And by the way, when you make a vow, God expects you to keep that vow. And because of that, now they've got this city, Gibeon, who they've made peace with, and they've made a league with, and Gibeon is now serving Israel, but with that relationship comes responsibility. Because as soon as the five kings come to fight Gibeon, Gibeon sends a message to Joshua, and they said, Slack not thy hand from thy servant. Come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. Now Joshua is not only fighting his own battles, but he's having to fight the battles of Gibeon. Why? Because he entered into a relationship uh, hastily. He entered into a relationship without praying about it. He entered into a relationship without really seeking God's counsel and he committed himself to something that he should have never committed to himself to and now he's responsible to that. Now he's got to wait. Now there will be people in Israel, men of Israel who will die not defending Israel but defending another country. You understand what I'm saying? When you begin to serve God you must be very deliberate about the relationships you establish. That's why we tell the, the young people, you know, take your time and be very wise and deliberate about who you're going to marry. Because it's better to take your time and, and make sure that you're marrying someone who's the right person and have no regrets and, and live with them till death do us part and live godly, you know, like God wants you to do. Than to just rush into, you know, these people. And I, and I believe, you know, that, you know, 
girls get pregnant out of wedlock and they ought to get married, and I understand that, but let me tell you something. That's not necessarily the best plan. Sometimes it works out, but you know what? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're in a relationship and it's good, but sometimes it's not. And we need to be very deliberate about the things that we make ourselves accountable and responsible to. I, I was thinking about this. Brother Daryl and I were out on, on Friday night. I had my boys with me. The, girl, the ladies were having their activity. And I took my boys out for pizza and invited Brother Daryl out. Uh, and we, we were having pizza there. And when we were having pizza at this pizza place, there was uh, this, this um, they were having this meeting, this car meeting. These people work on cars or whatever, and they're having their, their meeting there. There's this big old guy, and uh, he, he I, I, kept, I looked at his shirt because I, I could see the top of his shirt, but I couldn't see the bottom of it. He's a big guy, big, tall, you know, just big guy, you know, big boy. And he had the shirt on, and, and the, top of it, the top of it, it said, um, what is it that it said? It said, it said, I didn't ask to be a Mexican. And that just kind of caught my eye, and I'm like, but I couldn't see the rest of it, you know? And then, like, when people kind of shifted, and I was it, and his, his shirt said, I didn't ask to be a Mexican, I just got lucky. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That had nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought that was a funny shirt. I was like, that's, that's a funny shirt. That's good. I went home and told my wife about that. I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know what that had to do with the sermon. Oh, this is what I was thinking about. I was telling Brother Daryl, I said, you know, this is what worldly people do. When they don't go to church. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But you know, in our hearts we desire to have be, to be part of a group. In our hearts we desire to fellowship with people. Yeah, and worldly people say, well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not gonna. But they'll join these clubs where they'll meet, you know, for a weekly meeting. What do they do? They take, they, you know, I was kind of listening as we were talking. And they were talking about, have you paid your dues, you know? It's the same thing. <laughs> they go to a meeting. There's a guy who's leading it. He tells them what they got to do. They pass around a bucket. They put money in. Same thing as church. You know, might as well just go to church. And uh, that way they'd actually do something for eternity, you know? And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being in a car group and all that. that that's fine. There's nothing, honestly, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, if they're not doing anything sinful. But, you know, I was thinking about this. I would never join a, a club thing, you know, one of those club cars. Now, I don't really like working on cars anyway, but if I did, I'd never join them. You know why? Because as they were talking about, they were talking about, oh, we got to do this fundraiser, and let's do it on Sunday, and let's do it on this, and let's do that. And, you know, as a Christian, you just got to realize, you know, maybe you're into that kind of stuff, or maybe you're into something else, but you got to realize that when you commit yourself to something, make sure that you're committing yourself to something that's not going to bog down what you're doing for Christ. They committed themselves to the Gibeonites, and now they were responsible to that. I tell people all the time, you know, when you go, when you go get a job, just right off, right off the top, just tell, just tell your employer, be honest with them and say, hey, look, I can't work on Sundays. I go to church. I, can't, I remember the first job I ever got, I worked at Subway. I was 16 years old. My wife and I met at Subway. And, uh, and that's where we met. And she was the boss. And she, she hired me as the best decision she ever made. No, she didn't hire me. But she was the assistant manager, you know. And we're at Subway. That's why I take her to Subway on every anniversary. We go to Subway. No, no she, she actually hates Subway. I don't know why. She's like, I'm never going to Subway again. I'm like, that doesn't make me feel good. But uh, I remember when I got my job, my, my first job at Subway, I remember I, said, I, I, I filled out the application. I don't know if you've ever seen these applications where they got like the dates and boxes. You know, like uh, they got like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And they got all the boxes with all the times. And I remember I just put a big X on Sunday, and I put a big X on like Wednesday from like six on or something. And I sat down, and the owner was this guy named Mo. He was a Persian guy, you know. You know, 
he, he sits down with me. He says, everything looks good. He's like, I think we want to hire you. But he's like, we have, we have a problem. And uh, he said... Um, he, he, he said, I was looking at this, and I saw you. You just can't work on Sundays. You can't work on Wednesdays. He said, he said what's, what's, what's up with that? What's the issue with that? And I said, well, you know, I go to church, so I don't, I don't work. I don't want to work. You know, I want to I, I wanna be off, and I want to go to church. And keep in mind, I was, I, you, oh, because you're a pastor? I was 16 years old. Okay, I wasn't a pastor of anything. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, he said okay, well, we can, we, can, uh, you know, we can work with that, you know. Um, we can give you... Uh, you know, Sunday's office. And he said, but, um, you know, if there's ever an emergency and we just need you to come in uh, on a Sunday, would you be willing to do it? And I said, no. And he said, I don't mean, you know, I mean like maybe like just once a year, just a big emergency. And if we need you to stay late on a Wednesday, somebody gets sick, they have to go to the emergency room, would, would, you, would you stay? And I said, no. And I remember he looked at me and he said... He said, uh, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of, uh, why, why, why are you being so mean about this? You know? He's like, why? And I said, I'm not being mean about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm just telling you. And he said, okay, so if I hired you, and I just put, and this is what he said to me. He said, if I put your name on the schedule, work on Sunday, you wouldn't show up? I said, no. And he said, well, I'd fire you. I said, but I don't, I don't want the job. And he said, well, I don't think that we can. And I started to get up like I was getting the job. He's like, okay, you know what? You're hired. <laughs> and you know, I never worked on Sunday. I never worked on a Wednesday. Worked at Subway. Got my wife saved, and then she quit because she couldn't get Wednesdays off. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm here to tell you that if a 16-year-old could decide I'm not going to enter into a relationship, you think some adults could decide to give the preeminency to God? Because, see, what you got to understand is, see, because here's what happens. When you give in one time, you say, well, in case of an emergency, then maybe, you know, once a year, I might be willing to. You let them push that envelope, and there's going to be an emergency every other week. And you enter into a relationship with Gibby, and I'm just here to tell you, you think, well, it's okay, it's a small city, or it'll be fine. They're going to have an emergency that you're going to have to take care of. Be very deliberate about the relationship you enter into. I just have this philosophy. There's 168 hours in the week. I can figure out what to do any other time, but not on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is not open to anybody. It's open to God. Sunday night for me is open to God. Wednesday night for me is open to God. Weekends, you know, I, I serve God. I go soul winning. I, you, you just got to decide that when you're going to serve God, you've got to make priority. The Bible says that He might have the preeminence. The Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I'm just telling you, when you begin to serve God, you must make deliberate choices about the relationships you enter into. Well, I think every once in a while, I'm just telling you, you allow the devil to come into that, you, you allow the devil to come between you and God. Well, it's just an emergency. He's going to come into, it, it's just, it's going to be a slippery slope. Just make it clear, just decide in your mind, you know, we're not entering into a relation. I'm not interested in being in league with you, Gibeon. Because now Joshua's tied up in all these issues that had nothing to do with what he was supposed to do to serve God. We said, number one, when you serve God, the world will not like you. You'll no longer fit in. Number two, when you serve God, you must be deliberate about the relationships you establish. Number three, I'd like you to see, when you serve God, God fights on your behalf. When you serve God, God fights on your behalf. Look, look at Joshua chapter 10 there. Look at verse 3, just real quickly. The Bible says, Wherefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, that's the first king, 
sent unto Hotham, king of Hebron, that's the second king, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, that's the third king, and unto uh, Japhia, king of Lachish, that's the fourth king, and unto Deber, king of England, uh, uh, England, good night, Eglon, that's the fifth king. Uh, skip down to verse 5, look what it says, therefore the five kings, you see that? Of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, the kings of Hebron, the kings of Jarmuth, the kings of Lachish, the kings of Eglon, gathered themselves together, and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war uh, uh, against it. Look at verse 15, same chapter, verse 15. The Bible says, And Joshua returned, and all Israel with them, unto the camp to Gilgal. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Machedon. So these people, you know, you, here you got Joshua, one nation. And they're fighting against five kingdoms. Five nations. You understand that? But you know, you said, well, they're outnumbered. Yeah, but you got to understand, we're always outnumbered. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that find it. But narrow is the way that leadeth to life, is what the Bible says. We're always going to be outnumbered. But what's interesting, even though there was five kings, there's five armies against one king and one army, look at verse 8, Joshua chapter 10, verse 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not. For I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. So, so God said, just go down and fight them. I'll take care of it. Look said. And the Lord discomforted them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. And chased them along the way that goeth up to Bethhorah, and smote them to Azekah and to Makeda. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the goings down to Bethhorah, that the Lord, notice, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azedek, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. You say, I don't think we should fight this battle because we're outnumbered. Look, when you're serving God, the beautiful thing about serving God is that God fights on your behalf. And it doesn't matter if you're outnumbered. Because you know what? You for God makes the majority all the time. Well, Pastor, if I take that stand, I'm going to be going against my entire family. Yeah, but you plus God makes the majority all the time. Keep your finger there, Joshua. Let me show you this verse there in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 31, and you just got to remember that God is the one who fights for you. God will battle on your behalf. You know, my wife told me after, I think we'd already been married for some time, and we were talking about the fact, you know, when we were teenagers working at that subway, she was the assistant manager. And uh, she gave up all that, that career. She gave it up for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, she was she was on her way to college. And she, if she wouldn't have married me, she'd be a lot more serving God. So, amen. That's what I tell her all the time. <laughs> no, but uh, my wife told me afterwards. She said, you know, when 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 I got hired there, there was this big old controversy with all the workers there. Because they were like, they were all upset about this. They were saying, you hired some guy and he gets every Sunday off? Nobody gets every Sunday off. I've been working here for three years and I'm just mad. I don't get Sunday off. And everybody else was just like, no way. All these people don't get Sunday off. How did he get Sunday off? Let me tell you something. God fights on your behalf. But see, we don't have the faith to let God fight on our behalf. So well, you were just 16. Yeah, but when I was 16, that built my faith so that I trust God now. I quit, I quit jobs just recently because they were interfering with your time. Well, you do that because you're the pastor. I did it when I was 16. I'm just here to tell you 
that God will fight on your behalf. God will take care of the people's enemy. Pastor, I don't think I can. You really expect, you know, Bible talks about this tithing thing. You really expect us to tithe and live off of a 90% of our income. Look, I'd rather live off a of 90% of my income with God on my side than 100% of my income with God mad at me. Because God fights on your behalf. You're really going to go down there, Joshua, and fight five kings? Five nations? Yeah, but when God's for it, are you there in Romans chapter 8? Look at verse 31. Who shall lay anything uh, to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. I'm sorry, I, I read the wrong verse there. Joshua chapter 8, verse 31. I guess, you know, it gets bad when you've got so much writing in your Bible, you can't even tell what verse is what. Verse 31. Yeah, that's the one we want there. Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Notice this. If God be for us, who can be against us? See, God, when God's on your side, you're okay. Even when you're outnumbered, you're okay. Even when it doesn't look good, you're okay. Even when you've got five kings facing down your way and they want to kill you, you're fine. Now Joshua didn't know that God was going to send down uh, hailstones uh, and that, that more people would die from the hailstones and the sword. And by the way, that must have been a cool fight because, you know, the Bible tells us that God sent down the hailstones, but only the enemies of Israel fight. Could you imagine being in a, in a, in a storm with hails and never got hit once? I mean, you're fighting, you're, you know, doing whatever you do in a battle. <laughs> and, and, and the children of Israel were fine, and God is just knocking them out, knocking them out, knocking them out. That would have been cool to be in that fight. Throw up God, you know, just a huge hell, and knock someone out, you just go up and just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just make sure they stay down. <laughs> That's the kind of fight I want to be in. But every once in a while, you got to go up against the five kings to just see God work. Every once in a while, you got to face that battle. When you serve God, God fights on your behalf. Not only that, number four, when you serve God, you have access to the power of God. Look at verse 12. It wasn't enough that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon, the, uh, upon uh, them unto Azekah, and they died. That wasn't enough of a miracle. In verse 12, the Bible says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord, In the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon uh, Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now don't miss that. The children of Israel are winning. And they're having such a great victory, Joshua doesn't want it to end. And he looks up to heaven and he says to the sun, notice what he said, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. Look at verse 13. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people have avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hastened not to go down about the whole day. God literally stopped time for Joshua. Because Joshua asked, look at verse 14. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. When you serve God, let me tell you something. You are not only serving God, He not only fights your battles, but you have access to the power of God. I mean, do you believe that when you read that? Or do you think, oh, it's just a fairy tale, that didn't really happen. 
I remember hearing one time, and I don't have the research in front of me, but I remember hearing one time that they had, they had done all this research because they can see the history of, uh, of stars and stuff like that. And, and they did research, and they found that there was a time period where science was confused as to what, you know, they must have done something wrong because it seems as though the sun stopped in time for a period. Say, we must have done, done the calculations wrong. No, I think you did it right. I think God did that. And the Bible says that. And go to Matthew real quickly. Matthew 17. See, do you believe that we serve a powerful God? Do you believe that we work in a miracle, that we serve a miracle work God? Do you know that God can perform miracles today? Do you know that God can do powerful things today? You know that God can, 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 can still do these things today? Are you there in Matthew? Look at Matthew chapter 17. Look at verse 20. I just want you to see this. Matthew 17 verse 20. See, you and I live in a Christianity today where, where we, we have become so accustomed to the world that we, we look at these miracles and we look at these stories and they oh, those are nice stories. But that was a time for another day. But let me tell you something. The Bible says in Matthew 17 uh, verse 20, Jesus Christ said this. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed. He shall say unto this mountain, Remove, hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do you believe that? Amen. If you had a faith of mustard seed, you could do it. If you had the faith that you had access to the power of God. See, the Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. And you know why a lot of times we don't ask God? is because we don't really believe that God can do it. But when you serve God, you have access to the power of God. Joshua, I, I, that would have been a great day. See that. Joshua said, son, stop moving. And the Bible says that God hearkened to the voice of a man and stopped the son from moving. To allow them to finish the battle, to allow them to win the battle. Number five, we're done, we're, we're done right here. We're going to look at, uh, at Joshua and we're going to look at another passage and then we'll be done. Okay? Joshua and then another passage and we'll be done. Joshua chapter number 10, look at verse 17. Joshua chapter 10, verse 17. We said, number one, when you serve God, you will no longer fit in in the world. The world will not like you. Number two, when you serve God, you must be very deliberate about the relationships you commit yourself to. Number three, when you serve God, God fights on your behalf. Number four, when you serve God, you have access to God's power. And number five, when you serve God, you're guaranteed victory. Are you there in Joshua chapter 10? Look at verse 17. The Bible says, And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hid in a cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll a great stone upon the mouth of the cave, and set the men by it, for to keep them. So these five kings that came to fight Joshua, now they're hiding in a cave. And Joshua says, we'll put a stone there so they can't get out. Leave a couple soldiers to make sure they don't get out. And you keep on going and keep fighting, verse 19, and stay ye not. He says, don't stay there, don't waste your time. But pursue after your enemies and smite the hindermost of them. Suffer them not to enter into their cities. For the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered into fenced cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then said Joshua, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so, and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, 
and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass, when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all of the men of Israel. Notice what he does. Now please, understand. It's going to get a little, maybe gruesome here in a second. But you've got to understand, that this is a battlefield. I mean, this is the account of a war. And these five men gathered themselves together to kill Joshua, to kill the men of Israel, and to kill their families, and to hurt those people. And by the way, these five kings represent the battles that you and I fight in our lives. Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting, you know, other human beings. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the prince of of the power of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, I'm not fighting another individual today, but I am fighting the devil, I am fighting the demons, I am fighting my flesh, I am fighting sin that wants to destroy my life and destroy my family and destroy this church. Do you understand that? And the same attitude that Joshua had towards these men is the attitude that you and I have towards the battles that we're fighting in our Christian life. Look at verse 24. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said unto certain of the men of war, which went with him, Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near, and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of a good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Now this was literally five men on the ground. And he had these guys, I don't know how he did it, but he had these guys come up and put their feet on the neck. But here's what you understand. What Joshua was trying to teach the next generation is this. Joshua was teaching them, we didn't pick this fight. We didn't gather ourselves against these five men, they gathered themselves against us. They came to fight us. They came to fight our families. They came to destroy us. We were outnumbered, but God delivered us. And he's using this as an illustration to say, look, in the same way that God delivered us from these five kings, he says, thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom he fights. And today you are fighting battles. I don't know what your battle is, but you're fighting battles. There is somebody, there is something, there is a sin that does so easily beset us. It wants to destroy you, it wants to destroy your kids, it wants to destroy your future, it wants to destroy your joy, it wants to destroy your spirit. You you are fighting somebody right now, spiritually. And you ought to have the same anger towards that, that these men had towards these men. Look at verse 26. And afterwards Joshua smote them, and slew them, and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. Say, why did he do that? Because he wanted to make it known, when you come fight against God, this is what's going to happen to you. And he's just putting out a warning out there, don't come fight us. We have God on our side. And when you begin to serve God, you are guaranteed victory. Go to John 16. This is the last passage we'll look at. John 16. Remember I told you, I told you we are going to preach short. Pastor, you didn't preach short. See, every time I say that, what you don't understand is what I mean is, hey, all my sermons are short. I'm short. Okay, so I preach short all the time. John, John 16. Look at verse 33. John 16, verse 33. I'm just kidding. John 16, verse 33. Let's finish this up. Look what the Bible says. These things have I spoken unto you, and that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When you serve God, you're guaranteed victory. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're fretting about, whatever you're discouraged about, whatever you're upset about, whatever you're you know thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to take it, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. Because when you read the end of the book, guess who wins? We do. 
Guess who wins? God does. Guess who wins? Christ does. And when you serve God, you're guaranteed victory. No matter what happens in this world, there's a home in heaven for you. No matter what happens in this world, there's a mansion in heaven for you. You're guaranteed to win. So you might as well just serve God. And love God. And enjoy the journey while you're at it. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for your Bible. Lord, thank you for allowing us as we study your word and just sometimes just go verse by verse and, and learn some of these passages. Lord, I pray you'd help it to be an encouragement to us. Help it to be uh, a time that we would learn from it, that we would apply some of these principles into our lives. We love you, Father, and uh, we thank you for allowing us to be able to gather and learn from your word. In your precious and holy name I pray. Amen.